0: This is not, like, TV-only battle.
1: Television! Teacher! Mother!
0: Secret lover.
1: What? That's it? That's your movie? Well, I said that I had an idea for a movie. Folks, this is Screen Watching It's our weekly deep dive into the things watched on screens. It's right there in the title. Dudes, dudettes, my name is Dan Barrett. Joined by the grand master of... Um, look, when I started this podcast a few moments ago, I saw Simon's like entire fist just deep up his nose doing something. And <laughs> it's it's kind of just thrown my entire rhythm off at this point.
0: <laughs> look, I'll be honest with you. I, this is early in the morning for me and I wanted to be shaved. I wanted to be looking fresh. So I did have a little bit of a, a bit of manscaping prior to the podcast. Hello, screen watchers. Hope you're well. This is important information. Um, and I got a big bit of shaving cream right up my hooter so if i suddenly burst into a sneezing fit halfway through this it won't be because of any allergies i i have to your opinions but it'll be um it'll be because there's shaving cream bubbling away in my nasal passages
1: how are you dan i mean how am i generally just feeling uneasy at the phrase hooter but, you know, <laughs> but um, well shaven you've but- obviously had some razor blade experience of late Ah, uh, look. I mean, it's just mostly the lighting in here because I got oh. some stuff that needs to be taken off right now. It's wow. a little bit hairier than it should be. Um, yeah. No, I'm actress, not a stranger to the, the razor. Hey, I'm not a stranger to the razor.
0: No, no, no. You're quite yeah. well shaven. Uh, see, I've got this whole
1: silver fox thing happening, which is Simon. No one cares. No, no. no. Let, let's move on. We're going to talk okay. about TV. We're going to talk about movies. We really should. Tight yeah. hour. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Under an hour is what we're doing. Folks, under this hour, we're going to be diving deep into the following things. Simon's going to talk about Barbie. He's going to talk about Oppenheimer. Me, I'm going to deal with TV. I'm going to deal with Justified City Primeval. And also, actually, maybe I'm not dealing with TV. I'm dealing with something serialized. It's called Command Z. We're going to talk about what that is and why that is and how that is in a short while. Quietly, Steven Soderbergh's involved. But th- that's all I'm saying for the moment. But we'll dive into that in the podcast. Uh, we've also got to do a bit of a deep dive into So each week, we like to explore something a bit different. This week, myself and Simon, we've loaded up our watch lists, the queues on our various streaming platforms, the things that we've been planning to watch, and mm. we're going to do a bit of sharing as to things that have been sticking around, haven't been watched, or just, you know, haven't been watched in the watch lists of the recesses of our brains. Anyway, guys... This is screen watching. Let's dive in some reviews. All right, Simon, uh, I know that in the run sheet here, we've got Barbie first, but I'd actually be much more interested to hear about Oppenheimer. Can we start there? They won't fear it
0: until they understand it. And they won't understand it. until they've used it. In cinemas this week is one of the year's big films and, of course, one of the films it's going to be talking of come Oscar, talking of come Oscar time, uh, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. This tells the story of a man. It's really a movie of two halves. It's about a man who's driven by his intelligence, driven by his... Uh, need to make an impact upon history and upon society um, through his intelligence. Uh, But all of a sudden he finds himself at a crossroads in history where the very thing that he is passionate about, the uh, breaking down of atoms, the smashing together of neutrons and electrons and all that scientific stuff, is uh, an actor who has sort of skirted around fame and hasn't really found the... um, the vehicle for his talents in recent years, this is definitely that vehicle. He is terrific as Oppenheimer. Um, over the course of three hours, we see him both soar as a man gripped by his own ambitions and then tumble badly in the wake of the American government's um, decision to uh, make him a scapegoat for some of the awful things they did. Um this the second half of the film delves into that quite deeply. How a senator, uh Senator Strauss, played by Robert Downey Jr., chewing the scenery a little bit too much for me, but still very good in the role. Um, it sort of throws Oppenheimer under the bus, as it were. Um, it's all a huge technical achievement as you'd expect from Christopher Nolan, but in as in the past he uses the technology of filmmaking to capture the the um minutiae of of uh creative um, uh, uh, you know, moving forward and, and and mind building and getting the the the. I'm gonna you're gonna have to edit there. Sorry, I got caught up in my own words. This is of course a Christopher Nolan film. Um, and what he does spectacularly well is uses filmmaking technique to capture the uh, twists and turns of the human mind of the human psyche, and he does that with just extraordinary technological achievement in this one. He's, um, what he does with the sound, with the music, is the best he's ever uh, put on screen, I believe. This is my favourite Christopher Nolan film, very quickly. Maybe a tie with Inception, but very quickly. Um, it's a movie that that delivers on all the promise that came before it um, and shows a director really embracing the big screen as um, as, a, as a canvas to paint this extraordinary picture of one of the modern history's most divisive individuals to me it pretty much worked on all fronts the Florence Pugh character who plays his mistress maybe could have been served a little bit better but the rest of the cast Matt Damon as the general and and Robert Downey Jr. as the as Strauss and um, Emily Blunt as his wife are are all fantastic as well so yeah this one's a a major work and one of the big films for the year
1: yeah look in the lead-ups this one I had just zero interest uh like the First trailer, I don't think was particularly that impressive or really sort of all that engaging. And I just don't know that Warner Brothers did a great job, not Warner Brothers, Universal uh, did Mm -hmm. a great job of, I think, doing a lot of pre-sales to an audience who weren't just sort of rusted on by the idea that it's a Christopher Nolan film. And certainly Christopher Nolan, I've loved some of his films. I've been just a bit disappointed by others, but he's always a filmmaker worth watching. Like There's certainly no argument from me there. But I do think this last week, where they've actually kicked into the promotional drive of it, like I felt that like, I'm desperate to go and see Oppenheimer now. I'm in a way that I just wasn't this time last week. So look, everything you've said just lines up with a uh, general conversation around the place. People are very impressed with this one. And I am looking forward to early next week, finally getting a chance to get my peepers onto it.
0: You know, it's interesting that, that um, having watched the film and read some of the reviews that have come forward, I, nothing is mention the fact that it's a, a, stylistically it's very similar to Oliver Stone's JFK it it sort of paints this very cinematic his, piece of, of of history um and also the the machinations of the the US government behind the scenes in in um and the dirty tricks so there's definitely an element of of Oliver Stone um anti-establishmentarianism, I guess, in this. And and stylistically, it it looks great up on the screen. It's beautiful jumping between black and white and full colour and the tiny moments when the atoms hit each other that suddenly become the biggest thing on screen this year in cinema. Um, Yeah, really, in hindsight, I'm, I'm enjoying it even more just talking about it. So, yeah, Oppenheimer is pretty much everywhere. There's only one film getting in the way of it going into every cinema, and I'll get to that in a minute.
1: Yeah. Cool. Uh Simon, let's move on. Uh what am I talking about? I'm talking about Command Z or am I talking about the great Justified spin-off series? Well
0: you've 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 soft-sizzled this Command Z. I'm very ex- so tell you what, go with Justified City Primeval and then we'll finish out with Command Z, because that sounds pretty amazing.
1: Now just listen to me. I'm Deputy US Marshal Raylan Givens and I'm offering salvation. Talk to me. Come on, face to face. I'm not opening this door. Then, as they say in the Bible, you're screwed. Remember Simon, lovers of quality TV are, uh, I'm sure, very familiar with Justified. This was a series that ran for, what is it like, about seven seasons, I want to say? Six seasons? Something like that. Uh, slightly less than 100 episodes. This was a series based on an Elmore Leonard short story called Fire in the Hole. They took the character from that one. Uh, Raylan Givens, uh, who in the series is played by Timothy Oliphant, And basically, it's uh, a very sort of, I wouldn't call it a traditional cop show, but it takes the beats of a lot of things that we sort of expect from cop shows and uh, certainly sort of cop noir dramas where you've got a good cop at the centre of it and Raylan's a guy that always gets around wearing his hat, or at least that was suddenly the shtick for the first season of the show until quite clearly Timothy Oliphant was a bit tired of that and then you saw less of the hat. Um, You didn't get rid of the hat entirely, but there was certainly less of the hat as it went on. Uh, this was a show that really sort of uh, took a already popular Walter Goggins from the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series and gave him a role here as a uh, recurring bad guy. And so people's interest in Walton Goggins just exploded into obsession with Walton mm-hmm. Goggins. And now he's just kind of one of these guys that people just love dearly. But it all just comes from Justified, which week in, week out was just a series of reliable story of the week cop dramas. But then there was always an overall like arc for each season as well. So... It very much felt like very traditional TV, and it came, it went, it had fans, and like no one ever referred to Justified as their favorite show, but people just love this series. So, it wasn't a huge surprise when about a year or so ago, they announced a spin-off sequel of sorts called Justified City Primeval, and it was going to bring back Timothy Oliphant as Raylan Givens. Set him out of a brand new town, kind of get rid of most of the characters from the original thing. It's kind of just a brand new Raylan Givens environment. It's not entirely different to Fraser Crane packing up his bags in Boston at the Cheers Bar and heading over to Seattle where he's got his own show. Very similar to that, but I don't think this is supposed to be an ongoing series by any means. It's really just this one and done season of Timothy Oliphant back with his hat and there are very few scenes in the first two episodes where he doesn't have his hat on, so he's clearly come to terms with that hat. So The hat is back. I love it. Good. And basically, what you need to know about the spinoff series, because, uh, okay, here's what you need to know about it. One, if you never saw the original Justified series, you should probably go back and watch it, but also, you don't need to have seen that to enjoy this. This is very much a clean slate. As I said, Fraser, if you would never seen an episode of Cheers, you wouldn't need to worry about that brand new environment brand new characters okay uh, and this one he's saddled with a teenage girl daughter uh now i'll admit i never saw like the f- last couple of seasons of justified and it's been a few years since i've watched it so i don't remember if the daughter was a character in it by any means and i just feel really dodgy not you know having that sort of knowledge on my brain it's just it's dropped out somewhere along the way i don't remember the daughter but also maybe the daughter was there i, I just don't know but anyway, there's a daughter here suddenly aged up because this takes place like quite a few years after the original series. Um, so you've got that. And she's a teenage girl with like agency of her own and whatnot, and that creates some tension because she wants to be out sort of doing stuff in the world. And in the first teenage two episodes, girl. yeah, in the first two episodes, I found ourselves unexpectedly in Detroit where uh, raylan has been sort of roped into helping with a, we'll say an investigation regarding a judge who's got some death threats uh, leveled at him. Ooh. Anyway, as a result, they're kind of stuck in this hotel and Raylan doesn't really want his daughter sort of out and about while you know all the business is going on. So you've got that. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is that we don't have Walton Goggins reprising his role here. So who takes that Walton Goggins role where you need like that sort of charming villain to play a role in the background? Sybil so Shepard. Uh, well, I mean, you know, that would probably work. But instead they went with uh, Boyd Holbrook. Who we saw playing the villain in the Indiana Jones film a few weeks ago. But people uh, probably know him a little do. bit better from uh, Narcos is probably his biggest thing, uh, yeah, but he's okay. certainly, he's been around a fair bit. Uh, I think he might have been in the Predator movie, the Shane Black uh, one from like four or five years ago as well. I think he was the lead in that one. But anyway, Boyd Holbrook, not a stranger to the screen. Uh, a couple of other sort of familiar faces, uh, most notably, I think Vondi Curtis Hall plays a role for a few episodes here. Uh, basically, it's just justified is back, and I had a great time. Uh, two episodes are now streaming on Disney Plus in Australia, Hulu in the US. I think it's a FX on Hulu original. Uh, basically, it's just good quality, solid TV. Right. Uh, you can't go wrong. So that answers that answers a question for me: Is it
0: regurgitation of IP at a time of um where that's at the forefront of everyone's mind, or is there actually a reason to bring this back? And your review would suggest there's actually a uh, there's quality there to be found.
1: Well, I mean, just sort of think about the origins of it, which is that it's an Elmore Leonard um, character and, mm. you know, those sorts of crime books, you regularly have characters coming back and become the focal point of, you know, sometimes, no, I mean, not necessarily Elmore Leonard, but just sort of within that crime genre, you usually find, you know, like 10, 15 books based around a character. And like well, sure. it just kind of feels like it's sort of of that. This is a character which Elmore Leonard, I don't think explored particularly sort of too deeply Um I, I I kind of feel as though maybe he started using the character after the TV show existed, but I'm not quite sure how that works. And I'm not hugely familiar with Leonard's books. I've read Wise Who. Uh, but it certainly came from that short story, and this is just an opportunity to play around in that sort of pulpy crime drama a little bit more. So it makes sense. Like, it doesn't feel manipulative. Justified City Primeval is where? Uh, this one is streaming in Australia, as I said, on Disney Plus or Hulu Disney. in the US wonderful all right let's get down to it here's my review for barbie hey barbie can i come to your house tonight
0: sure i don't have anything big planned just a giant blowout party with all the barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song you should stop by so cool the other big film this week, the Barbie part of Barbie, hashtag Barbieheimer, is Barbie, the Greta Gerwig film starring Margot Robbie as the titular doll made real in Barbie land. Um, Barbie land, the first sort of half hour of this film is is all set in a a pink-hued imaginary world called Barbie Land, where all the Barbies, including stereotypical Barbie, who is Margot's character, um, exist and live happily ever after. But Barbie starts to have existential concerns in the middle of a huge dance party at her fun house. She uh, starts to contemplate death. She suddenly develops cellulite. Her heels all of a sudden hit the ground, which has never happened before. To answer all these uh, questions, she is sent off to the real world by Kate McKinnon's Weird Barbie to find the uh, real-life human who has this connection with her and why these things are changing, it turns out to be America Ferreira. And from that point on, we uh, go on a journey in which the very ideal that is Barbie is put through the ringer by Gerwig and co-writer Noah Baumbach and Margot Robbie in the lead role. Um, it takes the well-established, I guess, persona that is Barbie in all its positives and negatives and twists it and turns it into a modern feminist manifesto um, that is also a very potent and powerful Uh, musical comedy extravaganza. Now, putting all those words together isn't easy, as I imagine putting this film together to make it a a truly contemporary um, journey for the audience wasn't easy. But the fact is, it works an absolute treat. Uh, This is a film that is a whole lot smarter than anyone should have expected it to be. Um, It takes the... It takes what... Barbie stood for all those years and came to uh, represent in a very negative way and makes it very much of this day and age, um, which it had to. It couldn't be made in any other way, I think, given the, the times. Um, and those that have complained that it's just a hashtag me to mouthpiece um, probably shouldn't paint that as a negative. It certainly is a it is that, and it is of these, these times, and it and it achieves that aim spectacularly well. But doesn't draw, but that doesn't draw away from any of the um, pure entertainment pleasures, entertainment pleasures that you get from watching uh, Greta Gerwig's Barbie. So for me, this is about as good as this film could have got. Um, engages the mind, certainly engages the heart, and with a whole lot of central performances, particularly Margot, but also of course. Ryan Gosling is Ken, who we've seen featured very heavily in the trailers. Um, it's a takedown of the patriarchy, and and uh, and and that, might, and, and it's done in a very entertaining, very funny way. So um, let's go, you and I. I know you've got views on Barbie.
1: Well, I mean, the film might be perfectly fine. I just think that the Barbie IP is just awful. Uh, I think it's hugely detrimental to society, and I don't really want to support this movie with my money. So I'll see it when it turns up on streaming at some point or somewhere down the track, but I'm not going to go to the movies to go and see this.
0: Wouldn't the fact that the film acknowledges that no. and deals with that Doesn't not matter? Uh,
1: why? Completely irrelevant. It's owned by why? Mattel. The movie is produced by Mattel. It's a mouthpiece for Mattel. Like everything is sanctioned by Mattel. Wither. they are profiting off this movie, okay, okay? There's a reason I don't give a Barbie doll to my daughter, and there's a reason I don't want to support this. What reason is that? Uh, I mean, I don't think this is really a shock to anyone. It's been frequently discussed over the last, I don't know, 40 years about how damaging Barbie is to young girls. Uh, I don't really understand why we need to suddenly the You're talking look about the, the body I don't know. I don't know why we need to look the other way, just because Greta Gerwig's made a pretty good movie and that we all like Margot Robbie. And that's, I'm sure, both true. Um, I love Margot Robbie. I really like Greta Gerwig. Uh, her film Little Women, I thought, was one of the best films, of, which I think was her last film. Well, it was certainly one of the best films of that year. Um, like, I think she's great, but it's still based on the Barbie IP, and I've got no interest. Um, you threw me the question during the week, saying, "How is this any different to Batman and Superman?" And you know, I mean, I don't know if you still want to go down that path because I kind of thought it was a bit of a silly question. Um, but it's just that idea that well, in terms uh, Barbie- of the
0: body dis- in terms of the body dysmorphia and the heroic role that it plays for
1: the the target audience, I I, I don't think it's that different. I mean, it is. So, I mean, first of all, the body dysmorphia. Nobody necessarily looks at Batman and Superman as being like a core factor in people developing. Uh, I mean, no one really looks at Superman saying, "Oh, that's the idealized sort of body physique." I mean, it certainly is. What? But that's not really. But that's not really core to the character. Like, there's actually other elements to the character. It's not. It's not only just based around that physicality. To which, to which, Greta Gerwig and I would say no, no, is but the same against in body. So My problem, as I said, isn't to do with the movie. My problem is to do with the IP, and I'm not going to support the IP.
0: Right. So the film takes that point of view, and yeah, but that's irrelevant, and 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 it's not irrelevant
1: to the to addressing the film in a sense. It's irrelevant to why I'm not interested in seeing it, which is what we're discussing here. Right. Okay, so, so Simon, I mean it, Simon, it's let, it's let's a... wait to say. Let's go from a different perspective here. So yesterday, I had a chat with Doctor. What was her name? Uh, Lauren Guerreri, who's a yep. associate professor of marketing from RMIT. Okay. So right. anyway, this is a quote that she ended up giving me for a story I was filing elsewhere in my day job. Okay. Research over many decades has highlighted the poor mental and physical health and well-being outcomes of Barbie play, especially for young girls. This includes thin ideal internalization and body dissatisfaction, which promotes poor body image and self-esteem. For example, one study showed that girls aged six to eight who played with Barbies complained more about their bodies than girls who played with dolls with more realistic body proportions. And so, I mean, why do I want to support that? So the thing with Barbie is that the Barbie movie comes out. Everywhere you go, every store you enter, there is Barbie merchandise everywhere now. You can't zero,
0: so- you can't zero yeah. in on the merchandise and the and IP as a commercial property of Barbie without doing it across the board. In a, in, over the years when we've looked
1: at, I mean, this is a much, much smarter film. doesn't matter. As I that addresses- said, Simon, so. mean, I'm not interested in a movie. I'm interested in the fact well, that it's based on this IP. I told you this before yeah. you want us to have this argument. I know, I know you told me this, but
0: we're, we're yeah. a movie show. We're a movie and TV yeah. review show. I know, and I'm not reviewing the movie. If what we're doing here is only putting forward personal points of view about um, the impact of certain commercial properties on the little girls of the world, then we've got nothing to discuss because neither of us are experts on that. Then, but if we were looking at this from a, from a, a movie well, show I- point of view, we have to look at what is being discussed in the film and how
1: your concerns are addressed by the filmmakers. And they are addressed. No, but Simon, here's the thing. No, no movie exists just purely as the artistic text. Okay? There's other aspects to it. So let's just take this from a different viewpoint. If we were going to be talking about the new Kevin Spacey movie, whatever that happens to be, I would probably come to that saying. Really? You're, gonna, you're see... gonna compare you're no. gonna compare Kevin Spacey. Wait. You, a okay, pedophile a, a, a sexual abuser to the Barbie franchise? That is a long boat to pull. I mean, I would say that Barbie's been detrimental to more people than Kevin Spacey has been. Oh Jesus Christ! All right, okay. I, but uh, this is the, thing, I like, like, said, the thing: I can't believe but you said that. You're That's saying it. that we need to come from just the text alone, but we can't come from the text alone because there's a whole bunch of other real world aspects that surround it. Okay, I wouldn't go and say this applies to all movie. IP. I don't go back pulling, and watch.
0: Why are we? Why are we? Why are we pulling the hard line on Barbie when this applies across all IP? Because there's positives and care negatives about. about
1: it this okay well no i so on, i said i wasn't re- I, I didn't review the movie i said that i wasn't interested in seeing the movie why am i not interested in seeing the movie because the ip that it's based on that i think is hugely problematic i don't want to do a huge deep dive into the problem with barbie because i think that it's been well and truly You've covered i don't a think professor, that I'm covering the deep dives already happened anything. like i'm i'm saying i don't want to go further than that like i just, you seem to be have a question as to why would i not want to go and see barbie like that's why like it distilled it really nicely in terms of what she just said this is my problem with the IP. I think it's damaging IP. I don't want to support it financially, so therefore I'm not seeing the movie.
0: Right. Oh, okay. Well, well that's a, I think that's that puts a red line through your understanding of what Barbie means in a contemporary sense and what it might
1: mean going forward. No, no, but like the IP hasn't changed. That movie isn't made for girls. Like, that movie's made for adults like yourself and people who grew up with Barbie as girls.
0: You're wrong. You you can't start any sentence with that movie is. You haven't seen that movie. You don't know who it's made for. No, I do
1: know who it's made for. Like, it's made for people who've had, like, a lifelong association with Barbie. It's not made for, like, young girls.
0: Which is on young... Yes, it is. It's absolutely made for the young girls of this period. Hmm, and I haven't had a long association with Barbie, but it addresses all the issues well, that are I said impacting like... me as a member of society.
1: I didn't actually say that you were someone who had an association with Barbie. I said that people like you and people who have had an association with Barbie, there was two different groups there, Simon. But the point being that this isn't necessarily just made for that target audience. It's really quite different than that. So I'm not supporting it financially. I've got no interest in supporting it financially. That's really all I'm adding to the conversation here, Simon. I... I'm not treading any sort of new that's ground true. here. And right, I think okay. this film is given a too broad a pass nah, by too many people. you can't people. comment on this film. Ah, you can't no, no. comment on this film. Simon, you, you can comment talk about on a movie that you exists. You haven't seen it. Simon, first of all, let me finish my sentence, okay? Well, you can comment on this film. we can movie. talk about the fact that a movie exists without actually talking about the to- context of the movie. Like i are oh, talking sorry, the, about the logo. The what you're talking movie. about now is the logo. Simon, that's what you're that's talking all Barbie about is. Barbie is just a brand. That's all she is. She's a damaging, damaging brand. Okay. That is before a that, that, that is movie untrue Simon, before that You saw represents the movie so much. Wait, it represents Simon. so
0: much more to so many other people than just that. Before you saw
1: the movie, doesn't, it? doesn't saw, it? Before you saw the movie, Simon, could you have told doesn't me a single it? characteristic about Barbie beyond the aesthetic? Could you have told me what well, she's interested absolutely I could. I, had, a,
0: I have two daughters, all of which were yeah. Barbie girls, yeah, and, and all of which brought their own imaginations and their own points of view to what Barbie represented. And neither of them have ter- terrible
1: body dysmorphia. I can say it affects every child, but it certainly does. It contributes. We're in a world where, you know, body image and media representations have been hugely detrimental. And a lot of that starts with characters like Barbie. Yeah.
0: Or, or the way... Uh, Scarlet Witch has a V, a stitched-in V where her vagina is in all the Marvel films, or that Scarlet Johansson's <laughs> Does character or Scarlet Johansson's backside is turned to the poster whenever it's it's put up there on screen, or Thor is all muscles, or Superman is all chest. So, I mean, this is... I'm not saying that sexuality this physical shouldn't exist in these things. This is a physical representation of of what all these things represent, no, you don't see. I mean, he's a but Simon. Okay, journalist. sorry, Simon. Can Ripe I just adra- a Simon, can I address? Things. that? No, I'm talking
1: for a second. I'm just no, no, going to that say. Okay, you're going to move on from this. Can I just sort of say all those characters you mentioned are actual characters? I could tell you something about each of those characters, what their motivations are, more than just the way that they've been sexualized on screen. Do I necessarily want to see Scarlett Johansson in character waving a butt at the screen? Probably not. I think that's all a little bit gross, but. These are characters that have a bit more depth of them than what Barbie has, which is purely the aesthetic physical representation of what is supposedly an idealized American us Well, that is, I think that is where you're
0: wrong. It's not a purely physical representation of that. That is what it's known for, and that is addressed in the film. In the film, you have Barbie in a wheelchair. You have a black Barbie. You have overweight Barbie.
1: You have all these different you know representations what? None of those Barbies. Are Barbie. are, none of those Barbies are the leading character. The leading character is the traditional... Blonde-haired, beautiful-looking Barbie. Like, it's right. not any of the other Barbies that have been introduced over the time. The core Barbie is still the Barbie that looks exactly the same. She may the have had a bit of a The core Barbie brush reduction. that is addressed
0: in the film by the casting of Rhea Pullman as the creator of Barbie is exactly the one that needs to be addressed. Simon, and that is the discussion was, that the And that is the discussion that the film
1: puts forward. That is the discussion that the film puts forward and needs to be addressed. Again, I'm not reviewing the movie. I'm talking about Barbie's IP. If, Barbie, if the if Rhea Perlman, Barbie, who, who I didn't realize Rhea Perlman was in, it, it, makes me more excited to see it down the track, when I'm not giving it money. But if Rhea Perlman is just essential to this, she should be the one that's actually on the poster. So who's the main Barbie? Which is oh, not. That's ridiculous. It's Margot Robbie that's, a ridiculous central- that's a How ridiculous comment.
0: That's a ridiculous comment. nobody's making a film about the creator of Barbie is played by Rhea Perlman. <laughs> this is a. This is, this is that's a. That's a, that's a ridiculous argument. Anyway, all right. I knew we'd be at odds on Barbie. Um, yeah, because I two told very you. different points. Of view. <laughs> yeah, from two very different points of view. I know that's okay. I, I don't think anything you're saying is addressing what I'm
1: saying about the film. Again, I told you from the outset, I wasn't interested in the movie. And what the movie says and does, I'm sure the movie's great. Like, I've got no problems with the fact that, like, I've got no problems with, like, the actual content within the movie. I've got a problem with the fact the movie's produced by Mattel. It's not going to be particularly scathing about anything about the Barbie, uh, the problems within Barbie. That's, that's not it can true, only, it is. No, because it can only happen within the confines what Mattel's allowed to put out there. Okay? Like, they are the ones that have made this movie, and that is why I'm not supporting it financially. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a strange line in the sand to take on this one <laughs> film is all
1: I'm saying. But anyway, okay. So Barbie's it's in cinemas just, it's not just everywhere. Movie. I, I,
0: as a, I like, as that... I was
1: trying to draw a comparison to you, if there's other things where I have a real world issue with it, then I'll also not support that. Like what? Okay, I've got I mean I mentioned like, you know, you have problematic stars, which I won't go and see some things like, you know, a Spacey or Bill Cosby, like there's aspects like that which might stop me from seeing a movie. Um, like, you know, you're putting me on the spot trying to think of what is other major IP where I may have some sort of philosophical issue with it. G.I. Joe is probably a fairly good one if we want to go from like a male standpoint. I mean, G.I. Joe, I think, is sort of slightly less problematic in that they've actually built these characters into being a bit more of a... They're actual sort of characters based on some of their transmedia aspects, not so much the dolls, but the cartoon series, I think that a fair bit to actually individualize these characters and turn them into things. And the Larry Harmer comics also do a similar thing. So it's not quite as offensive, but it's still a toy concept based around war and guns. And I'm not supporting that. I wouldn't go and pay to see a GI Joe movie in the cinema either. It's, it's very difficult to get across that
0: Barbie, before it was found in these studies to perhaps have some impact upon self-perception in young girls, it also represented a really strong female character who through the course of her toy history has been a doctor, a lawyer, a pilot, a journalist, uh, um, all these wonderful things that, Still looking the like same girl, way young, young girls, young girls. Well, that's so you. So you're taking down doctors and lawyers who are attractive.
1: I'm taking down lawyers and doctors who are the representation of Barbie. It's still Barbie right. as these characters. Like you can't remove Barbie from it. It's not a range of different characters. But what about the all the what about all this,
0: what about all the studies that show girls went on to become judges or lawyers or journalists or doctors because they had a Barbie that was.
1: Uh, well, present me one of these studies. I'd be pretty curious to actually read that, Simon.
0: Sorry, my the recycling trucks just turned up.
1: Um, yes, well,
0: yeah, maybe, maybe you would. No, no, I'm saying right, I would be okay. interested. Yeah, sure. Well, it's yeah, it's just it's difficult to try to get across how respectful it is of the women and that have grown up playing with Barbie that have in, that has inspired them. Um and how that is portrayed in the film and why and why that is just as important a message as the negative and the downside of Barbie, which is also addressed in the film. But we'll never have that discussion. No, no, right, let's move on. Years. Yeah, let's move on to this is one I'm very interested in, Command Z. This is
1: historic, literally. We'll be dipping into the past to make some critical fixes there that will, in turn, make the future, our present, right now, more livable, fair, and decent for everyone. Wow. We're going back
0: to the moment that I've determined was America's last inflection point, to
1: 2023. You put a wormhole in a washing machine? Steven Soderbergh has a brand new big TV series with a whole bunch of actors in it. It debuted on HBO and and Max, the HBO-adjacent streaming service. It's absolutely huge, but that is not the show that we're going to be reviewing this week. That one's called Full Circle, and I've seen a few episodes of it. It's rather good. You can watch it here on Binge. Check it out. But the show I'm going to be reviewing is a show that he has with some fairly big names. It's called Command Z that he launched the exact same week that Full Circle came out mind blown. So here's the deal with it. Basically, it's hard to think of this as a TV series. It's 90 minutes all up and it's basically a serialized story of sorts. But also, I mean, it's not a series. It's not a movie. It's probably more just kind of feels like how we sort of saw web shorts sort of back in the day. Uh, Episodes range from about like six minutes to about 20, 21 minutes, depending more around like that six to eight minute mark. And the premise of it, it's kind of strange. So, basically, uh, Michael Serra is a Elon Musk type of figure to a certain degree. Um, he presents himself on screen. He's very oddball. He's very manic. And he presents himself on screen talking to three people wearing um, coveralls. And these are three people played by Roy Wood Jr., who people would know from The Daily Show. And two people most audiences definitely won't know. Chloe Radcliffe and JJ Malley. And the three of them are largely sitting on a couch talking to Michael Sarah throughout it. And Michael Sarah explains to them and things that they don't, you know, they obviously know this. uh, We're living, I'm guessing it's probably about like 70 or 80 years into the future from now. Uh, The world's been through a whole bunch of stuff, climate change and all the issues that sort of uh, stem from that. Uh, And so basically they're all living their lives and are concerned about like their, romantic issues and like they're actual like proper people who've sort of experienced things and are going through, you know, they've got beliefs about the world and how the Michael Sarah character may have sort of acted in the past. And so they sort of react against him as an actual person. He's not just a screen giving them instructions to do stuff, but he's also not a live person anymore because the person that Michael Sarah is representing on screen actually died in a mission to Mars like about 30 years prior. And instead, you're watching an AI representation of him, and this AI representation is actually leading the world. And the thing that he's getting these three people in coveralls to do is travel back in time, kind of like uh, 12 Monkeys with Bruce Willis's character, but not cool. physically doing that. Instead, they're going into a room where they need to turn on a clothes dryer. They need to drink a liquid in a cup, but not the entire cup. It has to be half a cup. And then they sit down, put on this weird helmet, and they transmit their brains, like their consciousness, into the consciousness of people from 2023 to try to get them to make major decisions in life, which would actually end up changing the world that they live in. So they're trying to stop climate change by drinking a weird liquid and sitting in front of a dryer. (laughs) All
0: right. Mind blown. I don't know yeah. where
1: we're going with this. So this is its is going to be weird to pull off. Okay. It is very weird. And the performances are a little bit weird. And particularly that Michael Cera performance, like it is incredibly oddball. And this is the thing, this entire series, it is not really a movie. It's not a TV series. It is a strange set of um, web shorts that have a very specific agenda in mind. Like this is very much to it's not even necessarily raising awareness of climate change. If anything, it's really speaking to people like me who know this is a problem. And it's basically just like feeding into sort of my liberal concerns about it all. Hmm. So you've got that happening, but also what I think is maybe sort of most interesting about it is just the way that distributing it. You can only find it through the Steven Soderbergh owned website, which I think is command Z series. Uh, You can only see it that way. It costs you uh, $7.99 US, which works out about $11.30 or something uh, in terms of local money. Uh, yeah, uh, which I was perfectly happy to pay because even though this is a bit weird and strange and certainly has like a very specific agenda in mind, it's also pretty entertaining and it's very charming and the characters and performances are all uh, sort of strong in their own oddball sort of offbeat ways. Like it's deliberately being sort of, Peculiar in the way that Steven Soderbergh made movies like *Shizopolis* like years ago. And it's really him just sort of playing around with format in the way that Soderbergh does every so often. Uh, Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, And just as an interesting note of, um, you know, uh, thing here, Kurt Anderson is the other guy that co-created it with him. If you don't know Kurt Anderson by name, he's a guy that used to write a satirical magazine in the U.S. called Spy Magazine. It was Spy Magazine that used to comment a fair bit on uh, Donald Trump through the 80s. And it was that magazine that coined the phrase short-fingered vulgarian, which is a phrase that Donald Trump does not care for, but has been long attached to him for many, many years since. Well, that's a big plus because I was a huge spy fan all
0: the way back in the 80s. It's incredible that 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 connection should be there for me. So good one. Command Z
1: is on, what's the website name? Uh, I think it's, actually, sorry, wait a second. I
0: know
1: they can find it at extension765.com which is Steven Soderbergh's website. But I think there's also a dedicated site called Command Z Series. But if you just type in Command Z or Command Z, as it probably should be, uh, you'll certainly find that one. And there's familiar faces cropping up throughout it as well. It's not just Michael Cera, Roy Wood, and JJ and. Chloe a bit
0: Wright, of a sir, sir, at the moment. He's in Barbie as well as Alan, and very funny. Uh, not that you'll ever know. Um, reviews coming down the pike as all finished. Let's get to the intermission section as we hurtle towards the climax of this podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's intermission time. This week on the intermission, we're looking at uh, two, maybe three items that we've had on our watch list on some of our streaming platforms forever. You know, they get that stink about it where you go to the watch list and you go, oh, that's been there forever. I'm never going to watch that. But you leave it there. Um, So I'm looking at my watch list. Now, I went through this and realized I didn't have too many that went way, way back. I have done a bit of a clean out along the way, but I do have three shows that... I really should get to, which I haven't got to yet. You're probably the same, Mr. TV. Uh,
1: Look, I've got a whole bunch of things on my watch list. So I've got five (laughs) things, but I'm just going to rattle them off super quickly. All right, do that. So, look, part of these are actually more the watch list of my brain rather than my actual watch list, which is extensive with all sorts of (laughs) random things. Uh, So something's on my legitimate watch list is Godless. Uh, That is a Western limited series that ran on Netflix um, uh, about – five years ago. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you know the show? I do. I know the title. Yeah. I haven't watched it. (laughs) Probably sitting on your watch list as well. (laughs) Uh, The guy guy behind it is Scott Frank. And the next thing Scott Frank went and did was the uh, Queen's Gambit. But people would know him from Out of Sight is probably his biggest title. But, you know, certainly strong affiliation with Steven Soderbergh, which kind of ties right back into what we're talking about here and of course out of sight being based on an elmore leonard novel so there's a strong thematic oh, through the for, circles yeah, coming around beautiful yeah um uh, look so godless um i've got to check that out uh i've got another tv series on my list which is deadwood uh which stars timothy oliphant yeah yep. you can see where my brain was thinking as i was trying to work through my sort of yeah, clearly yeah i've never anyway, seen an episode of deadwood yeah. uh, i've seen the first episode about five times and i keep meaning to watch the rest of it and i just <laughs> never do so got that. Uh, then I've got three films on my list. So two of them okay. kind of come from the same source. Uh, so I, you know, no surprise based on this one. I'm a big fan of The Good Wife and the various Good franchises. Series yep. creator Robert um, King was on the Elvis Mitchell podcast, uh, The Treatment, about five or six months ago, and was doing a bit of a push for a film that he loves called Night of the Hunter. And I've never oh, seen wow, Night of yeah. the Hunter. Oh, and great film. Yeah, I mean, that's my understanding, and I've just never seen it. So, like, I put that into the mental watch list of I've got to get to that at some point. So, that's my list. one of the great sort of dark noir films, has The Preacher. And then another film which, uh, again, this is Robert King related. He was talking about this film because he'd just seen Mission Impossible colon, sorry, Mission colon, Impossible, hyphen, Dead Reckoning, hyphen, part one. The Punctuation movie. Punctuation film. Uh, he was talking about Rafifi, which is a film I'd heard of before, but I didn't really know a huge amount about it. Uh, but, you know, classic French uh, crime heist caper film. film. Yep. Yeah, uh, kind of sets a template for a lot of the, you know, heist things we've seen in many years since. Um, I've never Funny. seen it. Also, you can't find it anywhere. I'm sure I can find it physically somewhere. I just also have to mm-hmm. find a device to play that on. But yeah, like all the usual places, I just can't find this film. So, wow. looking around, and so that's why it's on my list. And then something which I had a fifth thing on my list, which I scratched off this morning, because there's a breaking news story as of this morning that Nickelodeon have gone and purchased the 1987 like, Ninja Turtles cartoons, Here which obviously I watched, I watched most of those when I was a kid, but I sort of stopped watching them by the time they reached. Apparently it ran for like nine years, which who knew I watched about four years of that. But what I'd also watched is the live action movies, but I never saw that third live action film, which sent them back in time to feudal Japan, So it's always been on my mind that I should watch it at some point, but this morning's news about that kind of made me think, maybe I should actually watch that Ninja Turtles movie. Will I see it through to the end? Who knows? Wow. I tell you what, the
0: number of turtles that were killed with sword related accidents because of that, there's some dangerous IP property.
1: I don't don't know that many many were killed (laughs) by, I mean, here's the thing. So I don't think many were actually killed by swords, but I do remember, and this might be urban legend that was kind of around this hurdles back in the day. But I kind of remember stories about during like the peak of Turtle Mania, there were a lot of turtles purchased as pets, but a lot yeah. of those turtles also got flushed down various um, toilets, you know, as yep. you know, time went on. So I'm not saying no turtles were, you know, <laughs> freed from the thing, uh, but on a similar vein last week, Simon, I don't remember you having a problem with me not wanting to watch Milo and Otis again after we heard the stories as to what went into making that, so... Oh, I'm all for animal torture. Don't get me wrong. All right. My uh, intermission
0: entrance this week, I have had, I thought it went back further than this, but there's a Netflix series called Glitch from South Korea, in which a young girl has encounters with little aliens that just sort of turn up in her local bodega. um, And uh, she joins a UFO club to try to solve all the mysteries. It's got a, such a funny little trailer for it on, on Netflix. Um, I've been meaning to get to all 10 episodes for over a year now. I haven't, but I will. Um, on the Nat Geo channel, there's a 2019 documentary called Wild Ways of the Vikings. Um, I think I latched onto to this when we were planning our Scandi trip. Also, another terrific trailer. Um, haven't got to it. I don't know if anyone out there has seen Wild Ways of the Viking on Nat Geo through the, nah. the Disney Plus. Mm. No, nah, that's a hell of a am not even across um, it, but yeah. And this is the big one that I've been trying to get to for years. Um, there's now three seasons of Dickinson on Apple TV, big Haley Steinfeld fan. This looks like a lot of fun. Um, I love the kind of something like the great, which is sort of historical setting, but done with contemporary languages. And I did watch a a couple of episodes of that gold diggers, which you recommended a couple of weeks ago, and it was very funny. It was great. Yeah. So, um, Dickinson has sort of the looks like the same sort of thing. So uh, that's just one I've, I've got to get around to. But I had a lot of movies on there that have been on my watch list like since I got Netflix, which I, which was a f- many years ago now. So, but they're the three series that I that I really want to check out.
1: I actually think Dickinson, and this might be more an aesthetics thing than actual content, but content's not that far off either. Uh, it's probably got more in line with uh, Greta Gerwig Little Women film than it does something oh, like Color nice. figures. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right, Mm. bringing to the end, The Intermission. Now to the fun part of the show. Oh, boy. (laughs) It was about time we
1: saw something fun in this episode.
0: (laughs) Let's go to this week in history. All right, Dan Barrett, these are fairly easy ones, I think. The U.S. Senate, on July 23, 2019, the U.S. Senate passes the first responders bill ensuring 9-11 responders never run out of funds. Which comedian shepherded it through and was there for the successful bipartisan vote? I'm
1: 99.999% sure that this is former host of The Daily Show, Jon Stewart.
0: Bing, well done, exactly right. July 27,
1: 1940, Bugs Bunny debuts in the Tex Avery-directed cartoon called... Well, I'm kind of curious about this one because Bugs Bunny suddenly debuted in cartoons, but neither of his debuts were in Tex Avery cartoons. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious to know what you're going to come up with here.
0: Well, my internet source says it's called a wild hare.
1: Okay. Yeah. By my I mean, way of thinking. I'll double-trip that that. that. that is certainly a film that exists, and I've certainly seen <laughs> that one. But the origins of Bugs Bunny is actually from a Porky Pig cartoon to begin with. So I knew that was the case, but I actually looked up this title this morning because I wasn't really sure. Uh, it's okay. called Porky's Hair Hunt. Ah, okay, yep. Yeah, but, like, that wasn't strictly Bugs Itty. Bunny. But one of the co-directors of this one, I did some deep dive into it, uh, was a guy really? named Ben Bugs Hardaway. So I'm assuming that's kind of where the name Bugs Bunny comes from. But, you know. <laughs> We'll find out. Uh, but the first actual appearance of Bugs Bunny was in, uh, and I can't think of the name of it. Uh, what is it? Uh, it's called uh, Presto Change-O. Presto change nice. Yeah, but again, like Can it I... may just, it may just be there could be a technicality that while Bugs Bunny was a rabbit who was in these things, he may not have actually been branded as Bugs Bunny. So as that might Bugs be Bunny, where yeah. the difference is.
0: Sure. July 28, 1932, boy, some old history here. Well, I guess history's all old. The first feature-length zombie film, White Zombie, is released starring which iconic horror actor?
1: Look, I know this is in the back of my brain somewhere. I've never seen White Zombie. Uh, But if we're talking 1932 and iconic horror actors, like, I'm just going to say it would be one of the three. Bella Lagosi, well done. Famous for playing Dracula, but also in White
0: Zombie, which is a terrific film. certainly holds up, although a little bit racist. Okay, this
1: week's birthdays. Is it racist against uh, white zombies or...?
0: Well, it's all set in Haiti and some of the representations of the Indigenous population doesn't really help out, but scary show. All right. Now, this one's in your ballpark. I've done this one for you. July 22, 1955, Willem Dafoe. July 22, 1964, John Leguizamo. July 23, 74 the wonderful Catherine Hahn, and July 26, 1945, uh, Helen Mirren, who plays the narrator in Barbie, um, was born. Now, these all have played a certain character with something in common. What
1: might it be? A certain character? Well, look, I mean, the thing that I came up with when I was looking at them all was they've all been in superhero movies where I think they play some form of villain. (gasps) Dan Barrett, you magnificent bastard, you got it. Mm. Well, I see, I don't know if that's actually strictly true of John Leguizamo is the thing. Okay. So
0: Defoe was the Green Goblin, of course, in the Spider-Man films. Yeah. We'll come back to Leguizamo.
1: Catherine Hahn played Agatha Harkness in WandaVision. She also uh, voices Doctor Wait a sec. Wait a sec. Yeah. I was going to say, I just like purely to movies because she hasn't played that character in on the big screen. So no. it would be Doc Hawk from the uh, animated Doc Spider-Man. The
0: Spider-Man. Yeah. Films. Yep, that's right. Helen Mirren played Hespera in the Shazam films. Now, John Leguizamo, you've got to go all the way back to the mid-90s, he played Clown or
1: Violator in the Spawn film. Yeah, so... now, was that character a villain? Because I never saw that film and I don't really know Spawn.
0: I had to double-check that myself because I saw it once on VHS and barely remember it. But, yes, apparently... Mm violator is the archenemy of spawn so
1: <laughs> sure there you, go. <laughs> there, there you go and here we are at the end of the podcast is clown slash violator the same character or did he play two different characters uh again because okay. I don't know anything don't know. about spawn so
0: well I think clown became violator okay from what I understand from what I my research into this birthday that, segment yes I that makes do sense this. for a comic book film. Yeah, sure. What doesn't make sense for a comment? Of course, deeply offensive to clowns everywhere.
1: Yeah, and, um, you know, Riffing the fire this. leaders of the world aren't as highly happy about it as their depiction either.
0: No, exactly I, right. Now we get I back to know. spacey again. All right. Okay. Okay. There we are at the end of the podcast. Okay. Oh, well, boy, that, that was exhausting. That was like a
1: 100-meter sprint, wasn't it? Ah, uh, look, it's uh, quite jogging. Uh, okay, anyway, let's sign off. i got to get out of here. Uh, folks, yeah. thank you very much for listening. This has been Screen Watching. My name's Dan Barrett. You can find me on Threads at the Dan Barretts. Uh, start your day with my free newsletter. It's called Always Be Watching. Find that one at alwaysbewatching.com. At the moment, it's daily, but I just don't know with a strike, like when the news is going to dry up. I feel it's going to be every day. Like, You're going to and... keep writing Ninja Turtle updates. Look, I write the news. I don't know what the news is going to be. I just represent what's out there in the world. I mean, if there's a story about the turtles every day, I'm there for it. And just on that, the trailer for Mutant Mayhem, the new Ninja Turtles movie coming out in the end of August, I think. Yep. I hadn't seen the trailer for it. It looks great. I was really into it. Like, Yeah. Yeah, really impressive. Like those Spider-Verse films really forced animators to, you know, Really you actually get creative in terms of what like, Not yet. You've got I've watch, got to get around to that. It's on my watch yeah. list.
0: <laughs> we'll be talking about it in four years' time, but having not watched. Um, have you finished your plug there? I don't know where you got up
1: to. What I don't know either. Yeah, let's just let's market as finished. <laughs>
0: read my words over at screen space or at screen space on Facebook screen watching is all over your socials at screen watching podcast on the Facebook uh, at screen underscore watching on Twitter uh, do go to the screen watching YouTube channel I'm starting to funnel some uh, new stuff up on there email us at screen watching podcast at gmail.com and we will ignore that for a couple of weeks and finally realize it's there and put it on the podcast um sorry we, and we <laughs> You don't even know. We've got an email address. Um, (laughs) News to me. And do This week I'm going to give a little bit of a plug here. I launched the program for this year's Sydney Science Fiction Film Festival, which will be playing in Sydney, Brisbane, and Melbourne. That goes out uh, in the week coming up, starting July 24th. So check out for that. We'll discuss that at some point later. Well, I would think that next week on the podcast we'll be doing a dedicated chat about that. Oh, that is very good of you being the yeah. producer of the show to give over that much content to my blatherings. I do and appreciate And also, it. Oh, just quietly,
1: uh, Simon told me last week about one of the titles in the uh, Science Fiction Film Festival, which is playing in Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane this year. Do it. Uh, you but can get one of the, the titles. if you want. Can I say it? Yeah, of course you can. Can, can I? Okay. I, I got very excited by this. <laughs> I was surprised by how excited you got. Playing in cinemas, thanks to this guy right here, is the 1984 film, I believe, direct? Uh, no, not directed. Uh, produced by Rusty Lemarande and yeah. directed by, by Steve Barron. Steve Barron, who later went on to direct the first Ninjas Turtles movie. See the, the and links around A whole are around bunch here. of music.
0: I know it's amazing. Yeah. And a whole bunch of great music videos. He did the Aha video.
1: Yeah, I don't know if he did the video for the movie. I presume it was, but he's bringing to cinema screens <laughs> Electric Dreams. I'm, <laughs> I'm very into this. In fact, I I told Simon last week, I was going to fly to Sydney for this screening, okay? and then he's like, oh, I was just playing in Brisbane, so I'll I'll ride my bike up the road.
0: Yep. Friday the 25th in the evening, uh, I think on Brisbane, if I remember correctly, here in Sydney at the Macquarie Centre and at Cinema Nova in Melbourne a week later, you'll be seeing a brand new DCP, of, uh, which is
1: movie talk for a fresh new print of uh, Electric Dreams, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, there's got a bunch of other titles that are pretty good, but, like, that's the one. Anyway, folks, we'll be back next week with Simon Spiel about the film festival. Uh, We'll see you then. Bye-bye.